0: Hello, this is Gene Wilhelm, and today we'll be examining the Sunday readings for the second Sunday of Lent, February 28th, 2021, and that's in cycle B. In the Gospel, Jesus showed himself to Peter, James, and John as he he had been for all eternity, and he'd not shown himself to them like this before. He'd been showing himself through the Old Testament passages such as the sacrifice of Isaac, which we have in the first reading. On the Mount of Transfiguration, he literally showed himself in a new light. He wants to reveal himself to us, too, and we have to question ourselves. Are we willing to go up the mountain with him to do whatever it is that Jesus asks us to do so that he can reveal himself to us in that way? Now, uh, when we, as we begin, let's look at the first reading, and I'm going to start with a, a note on this passage in Genesis, and it's Genesis 22, verses 1 and 2, and it sort of skips around through verse 18. Uh, and I'm going to skip down in the middle of the uh of uh, the, uh, the note, this is Genesis chapter 22a note in the New Jerusalem Bible, and it says, the story as it stands justifies the ritual prescription for the redemption of the firstborn of Israel. Like all first firstfruits, these belong to God. They are not, however, to be sacrificed, but bought back, that is, redeemed. Ex- Exodus thirteen twelve is an example of that. Lying behind the story, therefore, is the condemnation so frequent in the prophets of child sacrifice, and we can look at uh, passage in Leviticus and several others, and more advanced spiritual lesson, the example of Abraham's faith here at its climatic point. In the sacrifice of Isaac, the fathers of the church saw a prefiguring of the passion of Christ, the only begotten son. So well, let's look at this. It says, God put Abraham to the test. Now notice his name's been changed now. Remember, it was changed earlier. Uh, a few chapters previous to this in Genesis. And so he's put Abraham, Abraham to the test. He did the same uh, in that reading that we saw in Job several weeks ago, that he put Job to the test through, used Satan to do this. And he called to him Abraham. Now, Abraham's name is very interesting in that it means uh, the father of, of a great tribe. And the name for God here is Elohim. And Elohim, L El is the singular and Elohim is the plural. And when the plural is used, it can mean a couple of things. It can mean uh, one of uh, the many gods that are there, uh, were out there, uh, but it also can mean the supreme God. And when I see Elohim, I think that it's also telling us that there is a trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he called to Abraham, this father of a great of many nations of and he said that to him, he called to him. Abraham called him by name, just like Jesus. God calls us by name when he wants us to be a part of his, what he's doing. And what did Abraham reply? He said, here I am. Now, we can see that he also see, saw in Samuel's call several weeks ago. And in Samuel first chapter, uh, first Samuel chapter 3, in verses 4, 6, and 8, Samuel replies when God calls him, says, here I am, as you called me. And he goes to, to, remember, he goes to uh, the priest, Eli, and tells him, here I am, you called me, thinking it was Eli that called him, but it was God that called him. And we also see the same thing in Isaiah 6 chapter, uh, Isaiah 6 verse 9, the first part. uh, God has just said, who are we going to send? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. So this is a response that when god calls us we're called we our duty is to say here i am we may not like what he has to say to us and we may do some other things but he says here we say here i am and so what god then does is he says take your son isaac your only one who you love at this point he was he was the son of the promise so, and this prefigures Jesus in that he is the beloved, when we get, remember from the, from the uh, baptism, this is my beloved son. And we'll hear that again in the, in the gospel. This is my beloved son. So we take that and we go there and he says, take your son Isaac, the only one whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Take your son, go a distance away to Moriah. Um, There's an interesting uh, note in in the New Jerusalem Bible on Moriah. It says that uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1 uh, identifies the land of Moriah with the hill on which the temple was later built in Jerusalem. Subsequent uh, tradition adopted this identification, but the text speaks of the land of Moriah. Uh, So the the Jewish people uh, saw Mount Moriah as the Temple Mount. So it abraham is told to take his son to the temple mountain if you remember at the temple mount that's where the sacrifices were offered to god for all sorts of purposes and he says and there you shall offer him up as in a holocaust and we hear the word holocaust so often that sometimes we forget what it really means and and when we look what, what the meaning of holocaust is you burn it to a crisp uh, so you the, the the uh the victim is killed and burnt to a crisp uh, so it'd be the equivalent of doing a cremation in today's, uh, so there's nothing left. There's nothing usable left after you've done this. It says, and he says, on the height or mountain that I will point out to you. And that, I think that's key. when We, we see here that he's, Abraham is told to go to a mountain. We'll see in the gospel that Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on a mountain. And he says, and it's the one I will point out to you and so he did that when they came, but abraham didn't know where he was going he had to continually pay attention to god to see what god was telling him in order to be able to figure out what it is that god really wanted of him and we're supposed to be doing that on our lives either we may say to god here i am send me but he's not necessarily going to tell us the destination or how to get there it's more often a situation where we have to follow what he is telling us all the way. And when we get there, he says, okay, we're here. And when, it's, and when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Now, what's not in these, this passage that we're reading is that Abraham carried the wood. So in much the same way as Jesus carried the cross to Calvary, Jesus was sacrificed on Calvary a hill outside the city, away from the temple. Uh, indicating it to us that the the temple uh, worship, the temple sacrifice was of the Old Testament. The New Testament sacrifice was on the Mount Calvary rather than on Mount Moriah. And, <coughs> excuse me, so Ab- Isaac carried it up there. This indicates to us that Isaac was strong enough to be able to do that. And uh, so we need to understand that Isaac is a prefiguring of Christ at this point, carrying the wood up there. And so it says, they came to the place and he arranged the wood on it. Then he reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. I would imagine that uh, Abraham was at least 113, possibly older at the time that this sacrifice was going to be taking place. So that would mean that Isaac was at least 13 and maybe as old as 30, some commentators say. So Isaac could have objected to this and not allowed his father to do what his father was about to do. So in in this also, we see a prefiguring of Jesus Christ in that Abraham is the father, Isaac is the son, and the son is willingly doing what the father wants him to do, even though it is going to cause him mortal harm. But the Lord's messenger, which would be uh, uh, an angel called, called out to him from heaven. And he said, Abraham, Abraham. So the first time he just had to say it once, but he really wanted to get Abraham's attention this time. So he called him twice. And what was what is Abraham's, Abraham's answer? It's the same one as before. It says, here I am. He says, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do the least thing to him. This is his beloved son. And he says, I know how devoted you are uh so we we see all these things and we wonder what's going on here and again left out of the the text that we have here is that they spied a ram in the thorns and they offered the ram instead and this reminds us back to the fact that in John chapter 1 John the Baptist points to Jesus while Andrew and John are there and says behold there goes the Son of God this the Lamb of God there goes the Lamb of God here in this particular case so that the uh, so that the promise of Abraham can continue can be fulfilled Isaac is spared the lamb is sacrificed the ram is sacrificed in his place which is of course a male sheep rather than a, a young sheep. So, and again, the lamb of God, the lamb that God provided, the lamb of God here is sacrificed in Abraham, in Isaac's place, just as the lamb of God was sacrificed in our place on Calvary. So we we see all this and we understand, oh well, we do see that the ram is here, I'm sorry. And he offered it up as a holocaust in place of his son. So we can see some of the things that we saw in the, uh, in the uh, notes for the New Jerusalem Bible. And then God does the promise, which we see also in, recounted again in Hebrews 11, 17 and 19. It says, it says, by faith that Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac, he offered to sacrifice his only son, even though he had yet to receive what had been promised. And he had told Isaac, it is through the one whom you name, the, through the, the one through whom your name will be carried on. He was confident that God had the power even to raise the dead. So figuratively speaking, he was given back Isaac from the dead. So what what we see in the letter to the Hebrews is that that author sees this substitution of the ram as a prefiguring of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he says then in this passage we see and i swear by myself declares the lord that because you did not with, uh, did in not withholding your son from me your beloved son i will bless you abundantly so god's blessings are there for all of that and we see that and he tell again has that promise that it's, it's going to be countless number of descendants that come through isaac and when you look at the first few generations until jacob we don't see that there really were that many children. We see the, the promise was to go through Isaac, and yet Isaac had two children, and of those two children, one was the one through whom the promise would, would take place. And he says, and all, all shall find, in your descendants, all nations of the earth shall find blessing. So it's through Abraham and his descendants that we are of all the blessings that we see. And that's kind of offered again in Acts 3.25. We, we see that this is after Pentecost. You are the heirs of the prophets, the heirs of the covenant God made with your ancestors when he told Abraham, all nations on, of the earth will be blessed in your descendants. That blessing happened because of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, the coming of the Holy Spirit to the apostles, and the proclamation of the gospel throughout the world. We look at the, uh, the responsorial psalm for just a second, and we'll see that basically the responsorial psalm is talking about the proclamation of eternal life. Uh, it, you look at it, and it, there are all these things that are happening that would say well, maybe that's not the best thing in the world that's going on and yet it's talking about eternal life <clears throat> with that let's take a look at the gospel the gospel is from mark chapter 9 verses 2 through 10 the parallel gospels for this uh, in the synoptics are in matthew chapter 17 verses 1 through 8 and luke 29 i'm sorry luke 9 28 through 36 so t- jesus took peter James and John again let's look at this Peter is rock so it's, it's not called Simon in this particular case he's called rock here he's he's not just the hearing he is the rock the rock on which Jesus is going to build his church James which is the uh, uh, uh the if you go back through the Greek that's in the text and in back to the Hebrew from which it's translated it's Jacob which means heel catcher or supplanter or trickster and then John, which is Yahweh has graced or Yahweh graced. So you've got the three key apostles, and he led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. That's, I think this is key because if you look at that and and go back to Mark chapter uh, six verses thirty through thirty-two, this is after the apostles had come back from from their missionaries. And he says, the apostles rejoined Jesus and told him all that they had done. And he said to them, come away to some lonely place all by yourselves and rest for a while. For there are so many coming and going that there was no time for them even to eat. So they went off in a boat to a lonely place where they could be by themselves. And this this didn't solve anything either. But Jesus has told his apostles several times to come to a lonely place, and here he's going up to a place apart by themselves where Jesus can have just these three, and they can have some time together where Jesus is going to do something which they had never seen before, and something that is going to affect their whole lives from then on, and a whole ministry. So it's a high mountain. So why is that so and he was transfigured before them that word transfigured is that greek word from which we get metamorphosis which means to change from one form to another or to transform so jesus was transformed they no longer saw just the human jesus they saw the glorified jesus and it says and his clothes became dazzling white we can look at a couple of places on the new testament and i'm both of them in uh uh, Matthew 28, 3, it talks about the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, both of them. And Mark 16, 5, we'll look at both of those. 28, 3 says, His face was like lightning, his robe as white as snow. And that's speaking of the angel. And in Mark, the same thing of talking about the, on the tomb, they saw a young man in a white robe seated on the right hand, and they were struck in amazement. So there's something here that we see that, uh, and it's, Dazzling, it says his clothes became dazzling wise, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. We don't use uh, fullers to bleach clothes anymore. We use, we use bleach. But it's saying that the clothes, the whole transformation was such is that he became different. He, he was like he was a source of light itself. And he had changed anything, any impurities, any anything uh, in the clothing that, uh, was not what it should have been, was transformed by the presence of Jesus and manifesting himself as it was. And this is the resurrected Jesus. They're seeing the resurrected Jesus before the resurrection, in a sense. And so you look at that, and then and it says that Elijah appeared to them along with Moses. Now, why is it important that, that Elijah and Moses is, is, are appearing to him? and Moses represents the law, Elijah represents the prophets. There's another thing that's very interesting is that if you look at a couple of places in the new old testament you'll see that in for example in Exodus 24 15 Moses went up to the mountain, cloud covered the mountain, and we'll see the cloud covering the mountain here. In Exodus 19 9, Yahweh said to Moses, Look, I shall come to you in a dense cloud, so the people will hear you when I speak to you and believe you ever after. And then the other one is Elijah. See, this is on Mount Sinai, where this happened to Moses in First Kings. When it, when uh, Elijah goes to the mountain, it's called Horeb, and it's the same mountain with a different name. And it says First Kings eight, ten, and eleven says. Uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry, 1844, says, I'm sorry, I've got to get this right, and I don't have it here, but it's in, in, in 1 Kings 19, when Elijah's there, he goes to Horeb, to, uh, to the mountain, and that same mountain, and he encounters God at that mountain. Now, why is, that mountain, of course, is in the Sinai Desert, outside of the place of the promised land. Jesus goes up to a high mountain with the three who, and he doesn't take them to Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb. He takes them to a place in the promised land itself. Again, the law and the prophets. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And I believe that when we look at this, the fact that he didn't go back to Sinai is saying, look, the, the, the law is there. And the prophets are there. I'm the fulfillment of those, and there's no going back to those after this. Then Elijah, and they were cut, they were conversing with Jesus, so they were having a conversation. And the conversation that's uh, is speculated is that the conversation was about Jesus's death and resurrection and what was to happen afterwards. Now we see good old Peter. Peter said to Jesus in reply, "Rabbi, it is good that we are here." Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Again, let's go back to the first reading. Abraham said twice, here I am. Peter is saying, here I am. It's good that you've taken me here. I'm here with you. So his solution is Peter always has a very practical solution from a human perspective. And he says, let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Let's make this thing last. This is a mountaintop experience for me and for James and John, let's make this thing last. We'll build three places and we'll just go on for days and days and days. And he hardly knew what he was saying. He was so terrified. Well, if I saw Jesus, like Peter saw Jesus, and if I saw who I knew was Moses and who I knew was Elijah, I probably would be pretty terrified at what was going on as well. And then it says, a cloud came and casting a shadow over them. And from the cloud came a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him again. This is that cloud, and we see that, that Jesus was the cloud that God provided a cloud to lead the Israelites through the desert, and with for uh, Elijah when he was with the prophets of Baal, and the, and that the cloud out in the far, uh, in the sea was coming toward them god was coming present to water the land we see in first kings chapter 8 verses 10 and 11 this is the one i was going to tell you before that when the temple was opened up it says and now when the priest came out of the holy place the cloud filled the temple of yahweh because of the cloud the priest could not stand perform their duties for the glory of yahweh filled the temple this cloud is the reminder to anybody who knows the Hebrew scriptures that God is present and God is directing this whole thing that's going on. This is my beloved son. We see that at Jesus's baptism that it was told he was his beloved son. Uh, But this time God says something different from what he did at the baptism. He says, listen to him. This is my beloved son, listen to him. And again that Hebrew thought of hearing and listening is that you will hear what is said, and you will do what you are told to do in what you hear. I I think it's significant that we look at that. And we see in this whole thing of Jesus of God the Father saying this, we see again the fulfillment of that that passage in Deuteronomy eighteen fifteen, which we also had several Weeks ago, which says, "Yahweh your God will raise up a prophet like me; you will listen to him." So Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise in Deuteronomy eighteen fifteen, is what we're seeing here. And just as suddenly as it happened, it's over. It must be a very significant thing that happened because we in Second Peter one seventeen. Peter recounts this. He says, he was glorified and honored by God the Father when a voice came to him in transcendent glory. This is my beloved son, he enjoys my favor. And this was at his baptism. But Peter, it's it had a remarkable effect upon these apostles. And then just as suddenly as, as a, the whole thing occurred, it just was just over. And so we don't know what happened, but we know it was over. And as they were coming down from the mountain, it's the same thing. Jesus tells them the same thing that he told the person that he healed of leprosy in Mark one forty-four. Mind you, tell no one anything. He, they're not. They're supposed to keep their mouths shut until such time as Jesus is raised from the dead. Let's take a look at the second reading because the church chooses the three readings to co- go with one another this time of year. <clears throat> this is Romans eight thirty-one. The second part of 831-234. If God is for us, who can be against us? Uh, Psalm 118.6 says basically the same. With Yahweh on my side, I fear nothing. What can human beings do to me? Now, also in Isaiah 50, verses 7-9, through 9, it says, Lord Yahweh comes to my help. This is why insult has not touched me. This is why I have set my face like flint and know that I shall not be put to shame. He who grants me saving justice is near. He who, who, who will bring a case against me? Let us appear in the court together. Who has a case against me? Let him approach me. Look, Lord, Yahweh is coming to my help. Who dares condemn me? Look at them, all falling apart like moth-eaten clothes. God, If God's on our side, who can be against us? And he says, "Who did not spare his own son?" And we can look at several places there. Uh, Romans 8, four twenty five, for example. We believe in him who who raised from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, who handed was handed over to death for our sins and raised for our salvation and justification. He handed them over for all of us. God gave his only begotten Son so that we could be saved, we could be redeemed, and we just we it's more than we can really think about when we look at everything god was the abraham and he sacrificed his isaac he didn't spare him with he didn't substitute a ram. he gave his son as a redemption for all of us and so we can look again at romans 5 8 so it is proof of god's own love for us that christ died for us while we were still sinners or in first john chapter 4 verse 10 says love consists in this Not we who love God, but God who loved us and sent his son to expiate our sins. We are the ones who are the beneficiaries of what Jesus has done. We are the beneficiaries of God's love. God wants to reveal himself to us as he revealed himself to Peter, James, and John. But we're not always willing to be able to do that. Are, Are we willing to allow Jesus to reveal himself to us? or do we think that Jesus reveals himself to us he's going to have ask us to do something that we don't want to do and then the other thing is do we value Jesus as the redeemer the savior and the revealer revealer pardon me god bless you i hope you have a great week